Welcome to the Dasco, Reverend Randy Impact's anointed teaching ministry. This message is selected from the vast teaching archives of Reverend Randy Impact. As you listen, may you be blessed and imparted with divine wisdom. And now, today's teaching. All right, so there was a question last week, and I want to um, take that question and expound it a little bit more so that we will have a setting understanding. This is our month of growth. And in the month of growth, we are still on the topic of fruitfulness. Fruitfulness is God's original plan for our lives. And so it is very important for us as Christians to understand what it takes to be fruitful and God's expectation concerning us in the area of fruitfulness. The child of God is expected to be fruitful. But the child of God most often and most at times does not know how to be fruitful. So there was a question last week that why is it that many Christians are not fruitful? Because we define fruitfulness as having desirable results, having good and desirable results. We also define the fruitfulness as being able to increase in every facet of your life. So... In Genesis 1, 28, the Bible said, And God blessed them, and God said, Be fruitful. So fruitfulness is a being. God was just commanding them to become what he had already put in them. If God created a bird and gave the bird wings and said to the bird, Fly, God is speaking to the ability that he has already put within the bird. And he's not telling the bird to do anything extraordinary. So when the Bible says be fruitful, it means that God has already given us what it takes. The capacity to be fruitful. But the question is still being asked. Why is it that many Christians are not fruitful? Many Christians are not bearing fruits. Many Christians are not showing signs of fruitfulness. Is the word of God problematic? Is there a problem with the word of God? Or is there a problem with the faith of the people? That's something we need to really uh, pay attention to because that is going to help us understand um, what really is uh, happening. Now, the answer to this question is very simple. The reason why many Christians are not fruitful is in the word of God. It does not mean that, listen to me, it does not mean that they no longer have the capacity to be fruitful. Now, let me explain something. There is fruitfulness and there is bearing fruit. You see, fruitfulness is the state of being fruitful. You see, bearing fruit is the action of producing the results of fruitfulness. I don't know whether you get what I mean. Fruitfulness is the state. Is you know, every Christian is fruitful by the command of God. You see, there is the ability that has been placed in you. You see, from the book of Genesis... You were commanded to be fruitful. 
Because God puts the seed of fruitfulness within you. So there's no barren Christian. Thank you, Holy Spirit. There is no barren Christian. Now, in the Old Testament, in Genesis, God said be fruitful. So the capacity to bear fruit, you see, was placed in man. That's fruitfulness, the capacity to bear fruit. I gave an example the last time that um, at a certain age in the life of a, of a young woman, she has the capacity to give birth. It's a stage. You see, that means that at that stage, she's fruitful. But it does not mean that she's bearing fruit. Something must happen for the fruitfulness to translate into fiscal evidence. But that young woman, by the time she reaches adolescence, has capacity to give birth. So that means she's fruitful, you see, but she's yet to bear fruit. So, when man disobeyed God, what actually happened is this. Man lost the ability to be fruitful according to the standard of God. Man lost a lot of things. You know, when you read Romans 3, 23, Bible says that for all have sinned and falling short of the glory of God. So, man lost the glory of God. Man lost the power, the dominion. Man lost the ability to live an eternal life. You know, before, man had the ability to live eternally without dying. So disobedience brought all these things and then corrupted man from being fruitful. You see, so it became now difficult for man to bear fruit. And God said, by the sweat of your face, you would toil before you can what? eat. So, everything which was supposed to be natural became difficult. It became difficult. Life in itself became difficult. Why? Man had corrupted God's original intention. Now, the coming of Jesus Christ had an agenda. One to redeem man from the consequences of sin. That's the first agenda. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. So sin had implications. God sent Jesus Christ to die so that by faith in him and his works on the cross, man will be saved from the consequences of sin. That's the first one. So after redemption, the essence of salvation The reason why Jesus came to die for you and I is so that man will be restored to the original plan of God. Are you here with me? So, the restoration is where everything that we lost through Adam, you see, was restored back to us. 
as we had faith in Jesus Christ. So the glory of God was restored again. The provision of God was restored again. The blessing of God was restored again. And then fruitfulness was restored again in Christ. That's why the Bible says if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. This creation has the ability to become all that God wants them to become. He's a new creation. He says all things are past. The curse is broken. The corruption is broken. He says, behold, all things have become new. So now man through salvation has acquired the state of fruitfulness. The state of fruitfulness. Man is now fruitful, having the capacity to bear fruits. So if man is fruitful, then man must bear fruits. And that's the expectation of God. Because if God made a bed and gave the bed wings, after one year, after two years, after three years, the bed is not flying, then that's problematic. So God's expectation on us in the area of fruitfulness is not a strange expectation because the Christian has been restored into the fruitful mode. And so the Christian must bear fruits. Now, the reason why many Christians do not bear fruit is that bearing fruits requires a certain knowledge. It requires a certain knowledge. And without that knowledge, it becomes almost impossible for you to bear fruit. It's like a farmer. A farmer has a seed. The seed has the capacity to produce fruits. Listen to me. Inside the seed is a capacity for fruits. But until the farmer discovers the knowledge that allows him to produce fruit out of the seed, that farmer will keep the seed in seed mode. So that's the issue. That's the reason why many Christians are not bearing fruit. They are fruitful, but they don't know how. So in agriculture, the farmer needs to take the seed and have in mind that this seed is not only a seed. This is where faith comes in. What I hold in my hand is not only a seed, but inside the seed are fruits. How do I produce the fruits from the seed? I need to go to a field. I need to dig the earth. I need to put the seed within the earth. That's not it. I need to water the seed. I need to take care of the seed. Then suddenly, seedlings begin to emerge from the earth. And as seedlings begin to emerge from the earth, you begin to take care of the seedlings. Then all of a sudden, it becomes a tree. And as it becomes a tree, it begins to bear fruits. Praise the Lord Jesus. So you begin to understand that between fruitfulness and bearing fruits, there's a process. A process that is pioneered or sponsored by knowledge. A certain kind of knowledge. So all Christians are fruitful. But not all Christians 
are bearing fruit because not all Christians are versed in the knowledge of truth about bearing fruit. So let's go straight to John chapter 14, verse 12. Um, all right, let's rather go to John chapter 15. We've dealt with John 14 already. John chapter 15, verses 1 to 17. You're going to learn a lot and you are going to be fruitful. Now, I want you to understand that if Jesus says you ought to be fruitful or you ought to bear fruit, okay, he's talking about a particular thing. For the Christian, fruit bearing is referring to something. If you are not doing that, or we are not seeing that result in your life, it means you are not fruitful. And that's what I'm going to prove from scripture. So you understand that if God says be fruitful, which area of your life is he expecting you to be fruitful? And what does he mean as a New Testament believer, a new creature? What does he mean to bear fruit? That's what I'm going to point you to. John chapter 15, verse 1 to 17. John 15 says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cut off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Now let's pause there for a moment. Jesus is describing something. But before we come here, let me give you a background of what happened. Because the word of God explains the word of God. That's the law of hermeneutics. The word of God explains the word of God. So you cannot take this out of context. If you really want to understand the message, why Jesus is speaking like this, you need to go back. So we'll go back to um, John chapter 13, John, John chapter 14, and before we come to John chapter 15. Now, this message about Jesus being the true vine comes at a, a certain critical point. And that's why you must take it very seriously. Because of the time at which Jesus said these words. Now, in John chapter 13, 14, a couple of events took place. These were the last days of Jesus on earth. So the Bible says that Jesus called his disciples. And then when Jesus had called his disciples, he took off his towel and he washed their feet. You remember that? Yes. After that, the Bible says that he had dinner with them. What we call the Last Supper. So Jesus brought his disciples together. They had dinner. And in that dinner, Jesus said, one of you will betray me. John leaned towards the heart of Jesus and asked, who would it be? And Jesus said, I'll dip bread into wine and give it to the person. And you'll know that person. So, we discovered that Judas was going to betray Jesus. So, Judas got up and left the meeting, the dinner. Now, this means that Jesus was in a certain mood. Are you here with me at all? Jesus was in a certain mood. One Jesus had seen, Jesus had just finished serving his disciples for the first time. You see, he had come so low to wash the feet of his disciples. And then after that, he had gone on, uh, 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 you know, he has gone on dinner with them. 
and had indicated that someone was going to betray him. So he was in a very sad mood. Very sad mood. Then Judas got up and went. And Jesus, when you read the last verse of John chapter 14, that's verse 31. Jesus actually said, let us get up and go. Where was Jesus going to? Jesus was going to the place where Judas must locate him and arrest him. So, that journey is a journey of mixed feelings. It's not an ordinary journey. You know, because Jesus had prophetic insight. He knew whatever was going to happen to him. At the same time, Jesus was in the flesh. So, it was a very difficult moment because he could feel everything. He had emotions He could feel the pain. He could see what was ahead of him. Now, on the way to Gethsemane, Gethsemane is a garden located under a mountain called the Mount of Olives. Between John chapter 15 and when they arrived at Gethsemane, which is John chapter 18, they decided to walk. Remember, um, it was a night walk. They were tired from the day's activities, but they had to go. On their way, just before they arrived at Gethsemane, Jesus finds a twig. Okay, a twig, which is a vine, full of grapes. And Jesus was called the master teacher. Why? Because he did more of application teaching. If you follow the ministry of Jesus Christ, he was not like um, the other rabbis in Jerusalem and in Israel. They did religious teachings. All right? They memorized the laws of Moses and presented it. But Jesus brought applicative teaching where he would use their environment to teach them the word of God. The kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like so. Jesus became an exceptional teacher in his day. In fact, listening to Jesus was so refreshing because the people were just used to the letter. Moses said we shouldn't do this. Abraham said we shouldn't do this. And so on and so forth. So imagine someone comes and is bringing the gospel in that dimension. That's why people could listen to Jesus for a very long time and not get tired. Now, in one of his applicative teachings, he picked the twig, a grapevine, And he stopped his disciples. John chapter 15 verses 1. Then he said, I am the true vine. Remember, he's just going to Gethsemane to be arrested and die. So, this message that he's giving to his disciples is ultimately one of the most important messages while he's alive, before he dies. So, it's a message that Christians must pay attention to. Praise the Lord Jesus. Now, he says, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He wanted them to understand this. He wanted them to get this. Because, you see, in Israel, I've been to Israel. It's an agricultural economy. So, the people of Israel understand those applications that Jesus made very well. I always say that, look, our environment, when the word of God is being preached to us, the gospel, it becomes difficult to relate Because you see things like bread and fish and, 
you know, and so on and so forth. That we are not used to that. You see, our own is fufu and a benkwai and you know, and all of that. So, um, the word of God it, it has a cultural context. So you have to put yourself in that environment to be able to appreciate what Jesus is communicating to you who is not an Israelite. Yes. So, the grape is a very important plant in the Jewish community. Because when you read the Bible, you read about uh, wine presses, you read about grapes, you read about all those things. Um, They are big on wine. So, by the time Jesus picks a grapevine, all of them begin to wonder because it's an important um, plant. Now, he says, I am the true vine. So that they can quickly connect because there's something they can relate to. You see, if he said, um, I am maybe mango tree, it's going to be difficult. <laughs> it's going, or I am kuntumri plant or something. <laughs> you know, he may be speaking you know, um, to not even an African, you know, community, but specifically to a Ghanaian community. But when he says vine, he's talking to a people who understand vines. And these are the people who are going to bear the gospel to the ends of the world. So they must get it. Are you here with me? Yes. So he says, I'm the true vine. So the Christian must now then begin to dissect what this means. What is a vine? Because your ability to understand it as the disciples understood it will help you to bear fruit. He was sending them a message that I'm about to leave. And as I'm about to leave, I'm leaving you with the most important message. And this message is going to be the bearing, the compass of your Christian experience. So catch this message. Are you here with me at all? Catch this message. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Another translation says my father is the vine dresser. Or the vine owner. So Jesus is talking about who he is in God. And who God is in him. Which is very important because we have God, we have Christ, and we have us. So the records must be set straight, but he's using a plant to indicate the roles, the responsibilities, and the functionalities between these three personalities. He said, I am the vine, and the Father is the gardener. Meaning that the Father owns the vine. Meaning that Jesus is owned by God. Are you here with me at all? Yes. He says, I am the vine and my father is the gardener. But he goes on to say, he cut off every branch in me that bears no fruit. So we see the order. God owns the vine, which is Jesus Christ. And then Jesus Christ is not independent of us. He says every branch in me. So we are in Jesus Christ and God owns Jesus Christ. 
So what it means is that God owns us as well. So this message also is for Christians. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to Christians. He says, he cut off every branch in me. Unbelievers are not in Christ. So he's not talking to them. So this is a warning shot. He cut off every branch in me. You know, people have propounded a certain gospel. They say, one seed forever saved. That's not true. That's not true. The Bible says he cut off every branch in me that bears no fruit. He's telling them, one of the things that is going to sustain you in me, so far as the gardener is concerned, is your ability to bear fruit. Because the moment you stop bearing fruit, there will be an action from the gardener. And Jesus, as he is in the mix, he cannot stop that action. So that's a direct message. Every branch in me that bears no fruit, he cut off. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. What is a vine? A vine is a type of plant that climbs or grows along the ground and has twisting stems. So, Jesus says, I'm the vine. Try and picture this. If I was doing this teaching in Jerusalem, or uh, they will know. But some of you have not even seen a grape plant before. You know, so as I'm teaching, you will go ahead. You won't try to create a picture in your mind. But that's what you are supposed to do. You see, but even if you are creating a picture, when you were young, what trees were you seeing? What plants were you seeing? So that becomes a problem. But the vine is that creeping plant. And the main stem, you see, of that plant is what Jesus says he is. The plant was established in the garden by God. Now, he says that the plant, which is the vine, and the vine means the stem, has branches. And the branches are you and I. Are you here with me at all? That means that the branch is connected to the vine. And the fruit is born on the branch, not on the vine. So, the expectation of the gardener, who is God, concerning fruit bearing is on the branch. But the expectation of the garden owner, who is God, concerning life into the branches is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the sustainer of the branches. But the branches are the producers of fruits. So God is not expecting Jesus to produce fruits. God is expecting you and I to produce fruits. That's why he told them, every branch in me, so far as you are in me, the gardener's joy is to see fruits. The gardener's joy is not to see a vine. The gardener's joy is to see fruit. So God's reaction is based on fruits because a vine is always in place. Jesus Christ is always in place. Now, 
Verses 3 says, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. So as a Christian, you cannot, you know, I told you about fruitfulness and bearing fruit. Though you have the capacity to bear fruit, you cannot bear fruit. Except you are connected to the vine, the main stem. Because the main stem draws nutrients from the earth. And is able to power you. There's a whole spiritual technology around this. You cannot become what God wants you to become except you are in Christ. That's why I was fruitless when I was in the world. I was sharing with the GIG um, students today at camp. I was telling them that, listen, I was a rapper. A very hardcore rapper. In Pope John, I belonged to a group called Shaolin Monfort. We were, <laughs> we were the baddest rappers on campus. Baddest rappers on campus. I'm trying to help you to understand this. Because I'm not in Christ, I cannot bear fruit. I'm doing something, but it's not recognized as fruit. Because fruit is determined only by God, number one. And number two, fruit can only be produced when you are connected to Jesus Christ. So a life that is not in Christ is a fruitless life to start with. A life that is not in Christ. According to the, the, the words of Jesus Christ. You see, you can't bear fruit unless you are in Christ. So anybody that has lived a life outside of Christ has lived a fruitless life. One day I read a story about an old man who uh, died at 80 years. And at 75, he became born again. Now, he said, when I die, write on my tomb. Calculate the years from when I became born again to when I died. So, when they went to the funeral, this man was 80 years. But then they wrote on his tomb, five years old. They wrote on the posters, five years old. So, some who attended the funeral asked around, why is such an old man five years old? And they said he lived only for five years. He existed for 75 years. But he lived only for five years. Existing and living are not the same things. Because to live, you need life. Inanimate creatures or inanimate objects are able to exist. But it does not mean they are living. Our life comes from Christ. So all those years that I was at Charlene Monfong's Golden Boy, doing all kind of stunts and doing all kind of things, rapping everywhere, you know, I, I was not living. I, I, I was not bearing fruits. This is where you must identify what a fruit is. Because you could say that, well, I was doing all these things in the world. I was having money. I was having cars. I was having houses. You know, you can say that that's fruit. Because we have defined that having a certain kind of result. But it's not the result that you are thinking because Bible says that his ways are not our ways. Neither are his thoughts our thoughts. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are his ways higher than us. So there are things that 
even some Christians are doing, they think they are bearing fruit. But God has a certain expectation. He wants to see grapes on the branches. So, until I became born again, all those years were wasted years. And there are many people out there who are wasting their life. And are looking forward to someone to introduce them to the truth. So they can have a real life of fruitfulness. So Jesus said, Remain in me as I also remain in you. Verses 4. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Neither can you bear fruit. So we can conclude that all those who are not in Christ are not bearing fruit. But from the declaration of God in Genesis, it means they have capacity to bear fruit. But they are not bearing fruit because it is Christ that triggers fruitfulness. To bear fruit, you need a certain lifeline. And the lifeline is in the vine. You need to be connected. This is why we are connected to Jesus Christ. So that the restoration that he brought us through his death can begin to manifest. That's why some people say, no Jesus, no life. No Jesus, no fruit. No Jesus, no fruit. And fruitfulness is an expectation of God on us. Now, verses 5. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Another thing you have to take note of is the fact that God is not just expecting us to bear fruit in Christ. He is expecting us to bear much fruit. That means bearing fruit is in levels and dimensions. At this stage of your life, you are at a certain level of bearing fruit, but you can bear much fruit. In fact, you are supposed to bear much fruit. It says, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. So far as you remain in Christ, remember, first he said, you must be in me. You see? And then he says, you must remain in me. So the more Christ dwells in you, and you in Christ, the more you grow in Christ, the more you, 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 you spend time with Christ, the end product must be much fruit. Because as Christ is in you, you must keep increasing. The Bible says that the path of the righteous is like the, the, the morning sun. It shines brighter and brighter by the day. Hallelujah. So we do much as we are in Christ. Our results become more and more in fruitfulness. Verses 6. Now before verse 6, it says, apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. Jesus is calling the things you do outside him nothing. You have a car. You are not in Christ. Nothing. But you have done something. But he says you can do nothing. You have a house. You are not in Christ. He calls that house nothing. You have children. You are not in Christ. He calls them nothing. (laughs) Because... God is the one that brings definition to things. What he calls nothing is indeed nothing. And what he calls something is indeed something. 
Praise the Lord Jesus. Verses 6. It says, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. Now, the disciples understand what he's saying. Because if a branch is not connected to a vine, it will die. It will wither. It will dry up. So, if you are a Christian, (laughs) if you are going to please God and bear fruit as you are supposed to, you need to be constantly committed to Jesus Christ. You see, that's a revelation. Some people are connected to everything apart from Jesus Christ. People are connected to handbands, special creams, special candles. Some people are connected to calendars. Such people will wither. The Bible says that if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch. A branch means that you are in Christ, but you don't remain in Christ. You are in Christ, but you are not connected to Jesus. You don't have a relationship with him. You know men more than Christ. (laughs) You know objects more than Christ. You believe in the bottle of anointing oil more than Jesus Christ. You believe in tokens more than the name of Jesus Christ. Bible says that if you are not if you don't remain in him, you are like a branch. So we have branches who don't remain in Christ. They wither. So you ask yourself, why is it that my life is not going forward? Why is it that my life is not manifesting the supernatural? Why is it that I'm not bearing fruits? I'm telling you the reason. You don't remain in Christ. You move from place to place. Looking for everything apart from Christ. And Christ is with you. Some of you wake up in the morning. And the first thing is, you check your WhatsApp. The second thing is, you check your status. The third thing is, you go to IG. Fourth thing, TikTok. Fifth thing, Snapchat. As for Snapchat, when you land there, you are not coming out alive. I'm telling you. Dangerous place. You know, one day I went to TikTok because I wanted to really go and change the whole TikTok economy. (laughs) I said to myself, I'm going to change, I'm going to preach everybody in TikTok. I registered the TikTok and I entered. When I entered the first video, it's almost it. <laughs> that vi- <laughs> that video almost got me to become an unbeliever again. <laughs> then I said, "Hey, is this what is happening here?" I deleted the app till date. I've not been able. I'm gathering more momentum to enter TikTok again. If I don't take it, TikTok will preach me and will preach all the salvation out of me. Wow. So most of you are Christians, but you are withered Christians. Why? You are not connected to the vine. A branch has life only when it's connected to the vine. So many people are not seeing the hand of God in their life because they have abandoned the vine and the branch is trying to survive outside the vine. No one is the vine. Jesus is the true vine. No man is the vine. Jesus is the true vine. No object is the vine. Jesus is the true vine. 
Some people believe in some water they bought from somebody, some, some prophet, some water. And they wake up in the morning and they connect to the water. Some people believe in some handkerchief they took from some prophet. When they wake up, they talk to the handkerchief. <laughs> that's, that's why their life is weathering. Because they don't remain in Christ. I'm not saying they are not in Christ, but they don't remain in Christ. So their life is not fruitful. There's a way to make your life fruitful. You know, you can be a cell leader. You don't remain in Christ. You are trying to win souls. Souls, when they come close, they must see fruit in you. Everyone admires a branch that carries grapes. So there's a way to do soul winning. You know that you have an intimate relationship with Christ. When you go out there, the soul looks at you. There's a spiritual fruit that attracts them to you. But you are withered in the spirit. You are withered. There's no life. When you speak, they hear it like how the friend teacher teaches or the elective man teaches. You know? They don't hear life because you, you don't remain in, in Christ. So there's no life. Let me tell you something. Soul winning is not about just uttering words. Telling people, you, you need to... Listen, you can tell people that hell is, is, what, is hotter than an oven. They will still say, I want to go there because Michael Jackson is there. Why? It's not in the words. It's in the spirit behind the words. And the one that sponsors the spirit behind your words is Jesus Christ. That's why the Christian cannot make any impact, relevant impact, until they have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, the Christian that needs reminders, needs to be told whatever to do, you know, it's a sign of not remaining in Christ. He's withering. Sometimes a Christian minister can stand here. He's singing. The song is sweet. But there's no power behind the song. He's singing a very powerful song. And people on their phone sending messages. You can be ministering and someone sends a message that, oh, wait for me in my room. A, a gentleman. And, and a certain lady said, oh, I, I'm coming for weekend. And then he was, you'll be in church while the worship is going on. You see? Because <laughs> the worship is not scratching anything. The worship is not able to transcend beyond the body into the soul to configure the soul and align the soul to the ordinances of Christ. So the song you are singing is rather giving motivation to the flesh. And the person is sending a message to say, okay, wait for me. The key is under the, under the doormat, the welcome doormat. Take it Make your the person is in church. Make yourself comfortable. I'm coming right away. Oh God, oh God. It says every branch that does not remain in me with this. Peter said, Such as I have, I give you. You see, what was he going to minister? He was going to minister the spirit. Because what does Peter have? What Peter has in the natural is fishing skills. You see? But that's not what he meant. He was not going to give him a natural thing. He says, such as I have. Where did he receive that? He received that from a relationship with Christ. He knew now that he has a certain supernatural life that he can give. So when we come here and we are ministering, whether you are 
Sunday school teacher, whether you are music minister, keyboardist, listen to me very well, bass guitarist, whether you are an usher, security, there's something that you must minister out of the life of Christ. And until you remain in Christ, you have nothing to offer. So, if you're an usher and you are beautiful, God bless your beauty. But people are coming to church to receive from Christ, not to receive from your makeup. So, if all you have is your makeup and you don't have a personal and quality time with the Lord, you can't minister anything. Let me tell you something. You can even post a picture on IG and the picture is so full of life. I've seen pictures of certain people and just by looking at the picture, something entered my spirit. Listen, a picture is an image that is captured from the life, the composition of what makes up a man. So when someone takes a picture of you, they can capture the spirit behind the man. So much that if you are in tune with Christ, your picture can bring conviction to the soul of somebody. That's why regardless of what we are, we did not come here to minister our talent. No, talent is for mentor. And talent is for uh, Ghana Most Beautiful. And talent is for Miss Well and Miss Ghana. But so, so far as you are a minister in the church of God, what you need is life. Jesus said the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. So if you don't have life, you have nothing. The commodity, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit, in the kingdom of God, that we trade is life. He who does not have Christ does not have life. So the only thing we have to offer is Christ who has become our life. So the moment you tell somebody, there's a seat here, in the realm of the spirit, you have offered them life. The moment you stand here and you are preaching, you have offered them life. What you don't have, you cannot give. How do you acquire life? By remaining in Christ. How can you be doing the work of God and you have no quality time with Jesus Christ? You will never get it right. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let me round up because time is going. Verse 7 says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, he's taking you to another dimension. Now, he's saying remain in me because you can be connected to Christ and not remain in Christ. There are many people that are all over the place. Like the Martha kind of Christian. <laughs> the Martha kind of Christian. <laughs> so full of events. But Bible says, look at Mary. What did Mary do? They all invited Jesus. But Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. Mary is the type of Christian that wakes up in the morning and then thinks first of Jesus Christ. Because to remain in Christ is your responsibility. For Christ to remain in you is his responsibility. It's not automatic. As for Christ, he's in you. Are you in him? It's not the same thing. We have the love of Christ and we have our love for Christ. It's not the same thing.
Many of us are not remaining in Christ. So Martha saw Jesus and could not spend time with Jesus. But Martha was doing every single thing to bring pleasure to Jesus. But if you disconnect, how can you bring pleasure to you? You are already withered. You are already weak. That's why a lot of people are weak. They do a little bit in church and they are tired. They get frustrated. Are you here with me? So winning becomes like a daunting task. It's supposed to be an enjoyable event. Bible says the 70 return with joy. These were people went out without food, without money. How can you return with joy? They did not return tired. They returned with joy. They didn't return with complaint. A Christian cannot wake up and pray for Cathizo. You are withering. That's why you cannot pray. You are withering. A Christian cannot do the quiet. And when you look at the Bible, the Bible becomes like your enemy. <laughs> it's so difficult. You read one verse in the Bible. It, 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 oh boy. The, the verse just knocked you out. You have no appetite for scripture. Why? You are not remaining in Christ. That life and energy that allows you to sit at the feet of Jesus. Do you know you need energy to sit at the feet of Jesus? You need energy. And that energy comes from the life of the vine. Being connected and remaining in the vine. One of the most dangerous things to do as a Christian is to disconnect. Fail to remain. That's why all the Christians that are not really serious. You know, there are Christians who are not serious crowd. They are not. <laughs> they carry the tag of Christian because when you go to the visa office, they will ask you what, what religion, and they will write Christianity. <laughs> so for them, they are in the church. There are some that also they join the church because so that when it's time to marry, you know, some people. One day a lady told me something. I was shocked. He said, "When I saw your poster, I noticed that you're a very handsome uh, pastor. So if I do my wedding and you bless the wedding, it will really be nice. The pictures will be nice." <laughs> that's somebody's motivation for coming to church <laughs> so Jesus is not even part of the equation such a Christian weather some people also by the time they get to 60 years 70 years well, let me join this church so that when I die they will bury me so many don't remain in Jesus Christ there are many ministries media technical until you remain in Christ, you cannot have life. You cannot see the things that Christ is seeing. So when they give you a task, you see, it becomes so difficult. Because you don't remain in Christ. Christ can lead you. Can direct you. Can tell you, do this. Do that. Mary told the disciple, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Why? Christ speaks. But he speaks to those who are present with him. If Christ comes and you are not remaining, you will not hear his voice. So everything becomes difficult. The things of God are things of the spirit. So winning becomes difficult. People don't know where to go, but Christ can lead you. He can direct you. Christ can tell you, go here, go there, do this, say this. Christ can tell you, when you sit in a trotro, remaining in Christ is profitable for the believer. You can sit in a trotro and Christ can tell you, pay for the gentleman in front of you by the third row wearing the red shirt. Only him. And when you do that, Christ will tell you, just do that. You will hear it. We are talking about soul winning. 
Soul winning is not done by, oh, I can see plenty of people here. No, 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 no. Bible says as many as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. How are you even doing the soul winning? By the time you spend quality time in the presence of God, you wake up and Jesus will tell you, turn to the left. I have a soul there for you. You will be fruitful. So many people are running around. They are chasing the wind as if Jesus is not the one sending them and leading them. The work has become difficult. Because if you don't remain in me, and my word is not in you, that's the second level. My word, if, verse 7, if you remain in me, and my words, my words, not just one word, words, remain in you. Um, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. You see? So, not every Christian, you know, God doesn't respond to the request of every Christian. Are we on the same page? God can redeem your soul from eternal damnation, but will not grant your request. Because he says, for him to grant your request, you must remain in him. The technology of staying in him, spending time with him. You become a flourishing vine. You are looking fresh always. There are some people, eh, they are always from the presence of God. It's like bread. You see, bread eh, is very nice when it's fresh from the oven. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, Sandra knows what I'm talking about. I don't know, maybe she's a fan of bread or she's a lover of bread. But it's very nice when it's fresh from the oven. But the moment you leave it down for like five days, it doesn't taste the same. Some Christians do not taste like they are supposed to taste. The presence of Jesus Christ is the oven. You can be a Christian. You see, when you appear, there's some freshness upon you. I'm telling you, people cannot explain. It, has, it goes beyond the makeup. You can, you can put on a, li a little makeup. You see, but when you appear, it's not the makeup they are seeing. There's a, glow, there's a freshness. There's a freshness. Thank you, Holy Spirit. That freshness comes from the life. And there are some Christians, when you look at them, they are withered. They are frustrated. <laughs> you ask them, ah, why are you, you've lost so much weight. You've, you look tired. He says, it's the work. Oh. It's the work. The work is not easy. It's supposed to be easy. The work is not your work. Listen, he says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you ask whatever you desire and I'll do it for you. So it means that the work is actually very easy. Peter came from the presence of God, preached one gospel. 3,000 people came to Christ and he never said, I'm tired. The moment you get tired with 10 souls, 5 souls, you sleep at 12 p.m. The problem is that the life of the vine is not in you. And I see many people, sometimes ministry leaders, sometimes cell leaders, your cell is eight people and you are tired. You are tired of calling eight people. <laughs> Why? The life, which is supposed to give you the energy. You are not remaining in that life. You are busy with a lot of things, but not busy with Jesus. 
as you remain in Christ, spending time with him, doing personal worship with him. You see, some people, the only time, listen to what I'm saying, it's a very serious matter. The only time they do worship is when they come to church. On their own, they can't worship God. Apart from Katizo, when you take Katizo out, they don't have a prayer life. You wither. You wither. This work is supposed to be done with joy. Bible says they return with joy. And sometimes when I look at the people, sometimes after church on Sunday, and they are coming. Someone did a micro church of 14 people. And he's tired. One service. So tired that he can't come for evening review meeting. He's tired. He wants to go and sleep till morning. <laughs> then you know that this person is not remaining in Christ. He's weathering. But the life to do more, to bear much fruit, it is in when we remain. And then he says, if my words remain in you. That's why I'm big on quiet time. Listen to me. For you to be able to be fruitful, you need to take your quiet time serious. Because, listen, it's conditional. It says, if you remain in me, and my words does not remain in you, it means that your request will not be granted. God does not respect your emotions. Oh, Father, I need this. Oh, God, I'm your child. God, have you forgotten me? Oh, God, don't you remember me? Oh, God, don't you? No, 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 no. God responds to his word. You have said in your word, Father, in the name of Jesus, that no weapon fashioned against me shall prosper. And any tongue that rises up against me in judgment, I will condemn. Therefore, I condemn every word that has been spoken against my destiny. That's what the kind of prayer God responds to. Otherwise, if God did not make it so, someone, okay, a young lady can say, I'm also a Christian. But I like that married man. God, collect him for me because I remain here. <laughs> so he has not made prayer subjective to your desires. He has made it subjective to his word. He says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask. So you are not permitted to ask if the word is not remaining in you. Some people are only making noise. He does not listen to the noise. He listens to his word. He says, I've exalted my word above my name. He said, I sent forth my word to heal their diseases. He said, the word I sent to you will not return to me void until it accomplishes the purpose for which it was sent. God's word is what accomplishes purpose, not your emotions. So some people can pray some prayers. I don't know what kind of prayer. Oh God, um, oh God, can't you see that I need money? God, give me money in the name of Jesus. What kind of word is that? You have said in your word, according to Deuteronomy 8.18, that you give power to create wealth. Therefore, I receive this power. I lambano this power. And on the strength of this power, in the name of Jesus, I activate my prosperity. Can you go to university? You read a program. They tell you that cocoa was brought into Ghana by what? Tetequashi. Uh, uh, from a place called Fernando Po. It's no more Fernando Po anyway. And then your lecturer tells you this. And he says, speak, answer. That's what 
You see, that's the technology that the lecturer understands. For his pen to mark you correct, you must reproduce what he has given you. Kapala Bashata. Not what you think. So you don't go and write and say, I also did my research. It wasn't Tetekwashi. But a certain guy, <laughs> a certain guy, and my grandfather told me that that guy, because he didn't, he didn't go to school, that's why he didn't write it. But who brought Coco to Ghana? My grandfather said. You have said something, but it will not merit the response of your lecturer. This is where many Christians fail. They ask so much, but not on the strength of the word of God. So they pray so much, no results. Because their prayer is not based on the word. It's based on what they are going through. It's based on what they are going through. <laughs> and as they are praying, there's no revelation powering the prayer. You see, prayer is a spiritual activity. You can be speaking in tongues, but there's a word in your soul. Kariba you are going through a certain situation, but the word of God said, I'm the head and not the tail. That word is latent in your spirit. So as you are praying, that word comes alive. And God is under obligation. He said, I've exalted my word above my name to answer to that word. If my words remain in you, you will ask whatever you wish. And it will be done for you. This is to my father's glory. That you bear much fruit. Showing yourselves to be my disciples. The third thing you have to understand is. Bearing fruit is the only condition given. To prove that someone is a disciple of Jesus Christ. Otherwise you are a stranger. Anyone that's not bearing fruit. You are a stranger to, to God. Let me read on. Time is up. As the father has loved me. So have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I've kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this, verses 11, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. There's a way to move from son to servant. To become a friend of God. He says, I no longer call you servant because a servant does not know his master's business. In other words, a servant does not know the master's secrets. That's what he's saying. Some of us are only servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because all we do is what he told me. That's what I'm doing. You are a servant. But there's an avenue for you to become a friend. And he shares secrets. Like what I'm sharing with you is secrets that I gleaned from the presence of the Lord. Secrets. Praise the Lord. Beautiful. Now, the first lesson, write this. There are negative implications to fruitlessness as a child of God. There are negative implications to fruitlessness. And positive implications to fruitfulness. 
That's the first lesson from this teaching. I'm summing it up. I'm summing it up in three lessons. First of all, understand that when you fail to bear fruit, there will be negative consequences on your life. John chapter 15, verse 2. He says, He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So, it's not just about being in Christ. You see, because it's even risky to be in Christ and not bear fruit. It's risky. That's why we have people who say, I used to be. <laughs> I used to be. I have stopped. There are people who even said, I used to go to church. I have stopped. They have not stopped. The scripture is telling us that they have been cut off. But they interpret it as, I have stopped. Number two, to be fruitful, you need to remain in Jesus Christ. So, all of us now want to be fruitful because um, we've been told that it is God's expectation of us. So that if you are not fruitful, he will cut you off. So all of a sudden you lose joy in worship. Going to church becomes difficult. Uh, so winning becomes difficult. Prayer becomes difficult. But then, to be fruitful, you need to remain in Jesus Christ. John chapter 15 verse 4 to 5. It says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So, if you want to bear fruit, understand that it's not just about being in Christ, but remaining in Christ. Spending quality time with the Lord. Personal time. Every Christian must say that between four and five is my, my me time with God. Are you hearing me at all? That's the technology of remaining in him where he comes and brood over you. You know, sometimes I move away from home because I want to remain in him. Praise the Lord Jesus. What does it mean to remain in Jesus? Now, uh, let's not take the word out of context. He, gave, he, he explained what it means to remain in Jesus. So that's in John chapter 15 verse 10. Let's look at it. Let's not take the word out of context. John 15, 10. This is what it means by remaining in Christ. Okay. Verses 10 says, If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I've kept my father's commands and remain in his love. So, how can you remain in Jesus so that you bear much fruit? By obeying his word. Did you hear that? Yes. Every Christian has commands, but the ultimate command of Jesus, uh, of the Christian, is in Matthew 28. Uh, Matthew, uh, yes, 28, 18 to 20. That's a command. Those who are walking in obedience to that command, God calls them those branches that remain in Christ. When you stop so winning, evangelism, you understand? You have disobeyed the command. You are disconnected. That's a soul winning. It's not about feeling like winning souls, but it's a technology by which we remain. You see, if you keep my commands, if, if you've ever read English, 
it means that it's conditional. When means that you will do it anyway, but if it's conditional, it means some people will not do it. And so, if you are not winning souls, you are not remaining in Christ. That's what it means. That's why I encourage you because I want you to remain in Christ. So that's why I said we shouldn't take the word out of context. Because you can be spending quality time with the Lord in the morning, doing your worship, doing your quiet time, and God will say you are not remaining in me because remaining in him has to be commands. Are you here with me? Finally, to be fruitful means to act upon the command of Jesus Christ. To be fruitful means to act upon the command of Jesus Christ. To be fruitful means to act upon the command of Jesus Christ. Not just to know, but to act upon it. To be fruitful is to be a soul winner. That's what it means. So I have just simplified what it means to, to be fruitful. I've just simplified it for you. Praise the Lord Jesus. I've just simplified. So when we say um, God wants you to be fruitful, simply, the born again believer or the Christian, God wants you to be a soul winner. That's it. I've simplified it for you. You see, God wants you to be a soul winner. Let me prove this. John chapter 15 verse 12 to 17. Those who are not winning souls are not fruitful. John 15, 12 to 17. My command is this. Oh, Jesus, I love the word of God. Now, he says, remaining in him means obeying the commands. Then he's saying, this is the command. Love each other as I have loved you. So love is a command. Love is not a feeling. That's why I don't have to feel like loving you before I can love you. If I feel like loving you before I love you, it is lust. That's not accepted by God. That means as a Christian, I'm supposed to be able to love everybody. I'm supposed to be able to say I love you without thinking up to Bolgatanga. And thinking up to Nigeria and thinking up to Switzerland. You know. People struggle to say, I love you. They they have corrupt minds. <laughs> it's corruption. Can't say I love you to the brother or to the sister in church. But let me just go beyond that. My command is this love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. He's, he's now qualifying love. He's not talking about buying pizza for people and buying cake for people. <laughs> he's qualifying his own love. He says in the love there are dimensions, but the greater love is this. Do you see? To lay down one's life for one's friend. Oh my God. Who did that? Jesus Christ did that. He showed us the greater love. And we are expected to walk in the greater love. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servant because a servant does not know his master's business. So winning is the law's business. 
That's the only business that Jesus said, don't you know I'm supposed to be about my father's business? The father's business is so winning. So he says, anybody involved in that kind of work is working in greater love. Because greater love means that laying down your life for your friend. And Jesus is the one who has done that. So by obeying this command, is going out there and telling people, he laid down his life for you. Bible says, as you do this, Jesus says, you are my friend. I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. Then, verse 16, that's why bearing fruit is so winning. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. So winning, ladies and gentlemen, is the highest expression of love. Buying pizza is the lowest expression of love. So winning, listen to me. Karabrado Shadaba. He said, greater love is this, for a man to lay down his life for another. Do you see? So greater love is taking Jesus, somebody's son, as a gift and offering him to another person. Can you compare that gift of a man to iPhone? So if someone shares Christ with you, the person has demonstrated the greatest love than someone who bought an iPhone for you. Greater love. So, so winning. By the time we are winning souls, we are walking in greater love. Then we are friends of Jesus Christ. It's the highest form of wisdom. That's why God has called us to be fruitful in the area of souls. So you can measure your fruit. As that twig bears grapes, so shall you bear fruit. And by the number of fruits you have, that's the number of fruitfulness you are demonstrating. That's why I'm encouraging you. Be a cell leader because in that cell leader, you can now have fruit to show. A branch with grapes. But a branch in Christ, no grapes. When the gardener comes, he will never be pleased. Where are your fruits? I've shown you the way of fruitfulness. I've shown you how to bear fruit. Go out there and bear fruit. Never go to church alone. That's demonstrating fruitlessness. Talk to people about the love of Jesus Christ. Walk in that greater love. And Jesus Christ will call you friends and share secrets with you. God bless you for listening to this message. Subscribe to Reverend Randy Impact on YouTube and all other digital platforms to receive more messages that will transform your life. Stay connected and prosper.